Jesus said, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. <clears throat> Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I invite you to be seated. Jesus gives us a lesson today, just about everything we could possibly need to know to be the kingdom of God in the world. Not easy lessons, though. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, which is not an easy thing to do. Of course, he's not talking about agape, I mean, about like romantic love or even friendship, but rather something we call agape love, which doesn't mean liking somebody. It means this wholehearted unreserved, unconditional desire for the well-being of the other, expecting nothing in return. Agape love is an action. It's not so much a feeling. It's something we choose to do. It is acting always with the best interests of the other at heart. Then he says, do good to those who hate you. Wow. Bless those who curse you. No getting the curse back. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Sadly, that particular verse, I think, has been preached on in some really negative ways in the history of the church. I would say that Jesus would never expect anyone, to be be anyone who was already beaten to be suffering more, nor would he have expected us to become easy prey for all of the people who would take advantage of us, the bullies and the opportunists in the world. He set boundaries. We can set boundaries. We don't have to accept abusive behavior. Jesus valued us enough to die for us, and so we also ought to value ourselves. If we're in danger, and I think if a situation is toxic, then we need to leave. But when we leave, we leave without malice, 
or vengeance or cursing, but with prayer and forgiveness. If someone insults you or undermines your character or causes you emotional pain, he says, you do not have to play the victim and wallow in the hurt, but you can respond from a place of personal power by choosing to forgive, by choosing to let go of the hurt, by loving, by wanting good for them, praying for their healing and their well-being. Why? Because you are a child of God. You are like God. You were created in the image of God. And God is merciful even to the ungrateful and the wicked. And from anyone who takes away your coat, people in the first century had a tunics that they wore, sort of like an under uh, a regular garment, and then they had the cloak or the coat that went over the outside of it. They might have more than one tunic, but they probably only had one coat. Jesus says if somebody comes and takes your coat, uh, your coat away, let them take it and then give them your tunic too. Give them your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you and from anyone who takes away your goods. Don't ask for them back. So if somebody absconds with your tools or your lawnmower, right? We're not supposed to end the friendship over that. If someone takes from you, he's basically saying, offer even more. Why now? Because instead of being a victim who was robbed, you are an empowered person who is choosing to give away. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. The golden rule is phrased in different ways in all the world's religions. But, you know, that one rule we know would make everything perfect in the world if we could just adhere to it, right? But how hard in any given moment to be thinking about the other to the same degree that we think about ourselves, to treat others as we would want to be treated, not as we deserve to be treated, but as we would hope for if you love those, he says, who love you, what credit is that? You know, sinners do the same thing. Pagans do the same thing. The unchurched do the same thing. If you're good to people who are good to you, <laughs> so what? Others do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive or you want to get a favor back in return someday, well, that's no great credit either because the unchurched, those who do not know the love of God, do as much and again but love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. In other words, the Christian community is supposed to be different from the rest of the world. We're supposed to stand out with our radical love. We're called to love without any thought to personal gain whatsoever and to live into this totally new reality of God's end-breaking and redemptive healing power which has been unleashed through Jesus into the world. And now Jesus wants that same healing power to be unleashed in each one of us in writing a new ending to each opportunity where we could have responded with rejection or vengeance or anger or retribution. Instead, in exercising mercy and love, we are transformed by the power of that same spirit that is at work in Jesus. We too become part of God's pouring out of healing and hope into the wounds of the world. It is not easy. I was reflecting on all this and thinking, okay, but where, 
You know, where does the rubber meet the road? When does all that pull right up into our driveway and onto our front porch and knock on our front door, right? When does it really get right up in, in our personal space, these demands, these invitations of Christ to be other, to be radical in love? Well, I, I thought of something. This church has been robbed quite a few times over the years. I don't know, 20 years ago, somebody robbed, took a safe out of the office. I think it was on a Sunday. Uh, about six years ago, somebody uh, took our food pantry shelves. We had amassed all this food. We were going to give it out to people in need, and we went down there one day to put together a grocery sack, and all of the food had been absconded from the back of the fellowship hall. Four years ago, I was here at the church. I stepped out on the lawn to talk about the new... Uh, welcoming Jesus on the front of the church and while I was out of my office a gentleman went in there and he took my keys and my phone and ran off with my car and everything that was in it. Someone pilfered a Tibetan singing bowl and get this, some little woven drink coasters off the conference table. Steve Lewis had his Apple computer stolen and he had all of his composition that he had been working on, a, a, a major piece, was in there and not backed up. All of his work was gone. And someone last year stole a little artificial cactus off of the vanity in the lower level women's restroom. I don't have a lot of patience with people that steal from the church. I, I struggle with that. I've struggled with forgiving the one who cost me personally so much. I got my car back, but I'm out $3,700 worth of stuff and three months worth of time putting my life back together. And he didn't get jail. In fact, I didn't want him to get jail. I recommended that he be sent to like a, a, in, you know, a residential rehab program. Instead, until he was well and on his way to a different life, but he didn't have to do that, nor has he repaid me a dime, nor has he ever apologized or expressed any kind of remorse. All the people who have stolen from us have been, to my knowledge, people with addictions who simply found that it was, we were, the church was an easy mark. It turns out churches are often stolen from. About three years ago now, about three and a half years ago, a gentleman showed up at our breakfast. I'm going to call him Tom. And uh, Tom was different. He was a little hard to relate to. Uh, he started sitting down at the tables and talking to people, and he made people uneasy, and you could see people kind of want to shrug away from him. He just didn't, he had lost the art of, you know, easy chit-chat and conversation. He seemed to say things that were inappropriate and put us off. His whole manner was just odd. And he was angry and he would sometimes just sort of blow up about things and start ranting uh, about his views. And um, anyway, it was disconcerting. Then he began to tell those who would listen some once in a while he would confess that he was out of prison recently and that he had served time because he had had a really bad addiction and his uh, modus operandi was he would rob churches. Yeah. 
So now, there you go. Do unto others the way you'd have them do unto you. Forgive as you want to be forgiven. Be merciful as you have received mercy. And on and on and on, Jesus' words ringing in our minds, and yet there you are, confronted with a gentleman who has robbed churches, and you can't help but wonder, oh my gosh, is he going to rob this one? And how much do we trust him? And how do we put into practice this radical love that embraces others and welcomes others and treats everybody the same and doesn't hold on to grudges and doesn't punish and assumes the best? He still comes to the breakfast. And he has needed some help over the years here and there with expenses that have come up. He's always driving some old jalopy that's always breaking down and, you know, or he runs into a medical expense and doesn't have the money to cover it or, or whatever. They're just little things over time that he's needed assistance with. And the first time he asked for assistance, do you give it? Here he is in the church, a church like all the churches he robbed, and he's asking for help. And we could say, no, we're not going to give that. Or we could give it for the wrong reasons. We could give it just to make sure maybe he'd want to not pick on this church, right? But instead, we just gave it and entrusted those opportunities to God and gave God thanks for them. And he has changed. He has, by the skin of his teeth, been able to hang on to a job and he has a boss who has shown mercy when he's been sick or injured. And he has fought to keep housing and to not go back to his old ways and his old lifestyle and to stay away from his addictions. And he goes to his meetings and he's doing everything in his power to live independently. And yet it's very difficult. If you've been to prison, landlords don't want you. Neither do the Oxford houses where you're supposed to be able to go and stay if you're a person who's trying to stay sto sober and needs a transition. But he has changed. I've watched him become less angry and more joyful. I have watched his conversation change from something that makes people flee and edge a few places over to a conversation that's warm and genuine and accepted in grace. He's become one of the family on Saturday mornings, and he has even volunteered and served and helped with setup and cleanup. And you can see the transformation in his face. More importantly, I think I've been transformed a little bit myself. I'm not as mad anymore at the other guy who stole my car and my phone and cost me so much. As I have been able to befriend one other sinner like myself, I have found a transformation in my heart that makes it easier now to love the other with whom I am not in contact. Truth be told, none of us has been perfect either, right? We may not have robbed a church, but 
Some days we're not very good people. Maybe we've been mean or selfish or even cruel. Sometimes with malice, more often just because we weren't thinking or we were reacting or we were caught up in our own insecurities and selfishness and drama. Some days, maybe we have given a cold shoulder to somebody who was needing love and friendship. Some days, maybe we have cursed our enemies and wished the devil on them. But we can get back on track because we have a God who loves us without measure. A God whose love knows no limit. A God who is kind to the wicked and the ungrateful. A God whose love doesn't turn a cold shoulder. A God whose love doesn't exclude. It always invites and includes and honors. A God whose love isn't jealous but in rejoices in whatever is good. A God whose love is generous, offered without requiring anything in return, poured out in great measure. A God who wants all of us, and especially the ungrateful and the wicked among us, to repent and become a part of the way of eternal and abundant life. So Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back.